Tiger Communications proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Sports Call podcast after the fact. I am Ryan LaVoy filling in for J.J. Jackson today. I have Cam Berry and Brant Daughtry with me on the show today, and we're excited because it's another weekend of college football. It is here as we will have Auburn and Penn State in just under 24 hours inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium. We will be talking all about that game today, previewing that, giving some predictions, and we also have a lot of other football to talk about as it's week three in the college football world, so we'll have some SEC games to talk about, uh, a couple SEC versus SEC games, and then some other games that SEC teams are involved in. We'll talk about college football as a whole, and uh, also maybe get a little bit of NFL preview for the weekend as well. Saw a great Thursday night game between the Los Angeles Chargers and Kansas City Chiefs last night, so talk a little bit about that in the NFL week. So a lot of football today. As it's that time of year, we're having a lot of fun uh, going through this season so far. Again, Ryan, Cam, and Brant with you here on the Friday edition of Sports Call. We also want to shout out uh, retired Wardam Steve, who came by the station a few minutes ago, said hello yeah. to everyone. He's in town. He's going to the game tomorrow. We were excited to see him and talk a little football with him as well. And if anyone gives, wants to give us a call today, 334-887-341 locally, toll-free, tiger 9 on the Auburn Bank phone line to join us on the three-hour program today. So, again, Ryan, Brant, and Cam here with you today. And, boys, hope you're doing well. Yeah, doing very well today. Um, a good Friday. Excited for the game tomorrow. Going to be a good one. Uh, definitely feel like it's going to be a dogfight. Um but, yeah, doing awesome, celebrating a six-month anniversary with my girlfriend. Um, so it's a great Friday. Um, definitely definitely excited to get the weekend going, enjoy some good football, pray that the Falcons don't get absolutely obliterated in L.A., um, and hopefully Auburn can come out with the win. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well, too. Um, I, I, <laughs> I've kind of been hyper-focused on Penn State uh, and, and how they match up with Auburn today, and, and that's just kind of – where I've been, what does Auburn need to do? What is Penn State going to try to do? How does Auburn counter that? And, uh, you know, I, the more you look at them, the more you realize how similar the two teams are, and I think that creates just a fascinating matchup. Uh, and, and I think this game is going to be a fun one to be a part of. It'll probably be very stressful uh, for oh, yeah. for both parties. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see where it goes. And, man, I, I really hope Auburn can come out with a win. That's just where I am right now. So let's go ahead and open the show with, with talking about the big game tomorrow. And uh, that, of course, I mean uh, Auburn and Penn State. And uh, we'll talk about it throughout the show, and we'll have other segments where we talk about some of the other games. But let's start with Auburn and Penn State. And uh, what is the most important thing? And I know that the easy answer is quarterback play here, but 
what is the most important matchup, though, aside from the quarterbacks you're interested to see between the two teams? I think it's going to come down to how both teams perform on the offensive line. I yeah, mentioned the I two similarities between the two. Penn State and Auburn both have struggles on the offensive line. They're both uh, they're both working hard to overcome that, but uh, it, it's it's a matter of which side performs better because I think Auburn's defensive line is better than Penn State's right. defensive line. Right. But it's but that's not what's important. You know, it's it's can't it, we talked about it a little bit. We've talked about it a little bit all week. Auburn is, or excuse me, Penn State is probably going to try to load the box and stop Tank Bigsby yep. and Jarquez Hunter and Robbie Ashford if he gets in there. Uh, it, it's going to come down to can the offensive line open up holes to get those guys in space. Um, Penn State's linebackers are young and they're a little bit smaller than average. Um, that doesn't mean they're tiny, but they are not the 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 massive linebackers that you typically see around the SEC. Uh, their secondary has a hard time tackling sometimes. Uh, you go back and watch that Purdue game, they gave up a ton of yards after the catch. Um, so you're you're going to have to see that uh, from – you're hoping that Auburn can take advantage of that. On the flip side, uh, Auburn's got to get after Sean Clifford. Uh, yeah, they're, they're going to have they're going to have to put him on the ground, uh, and they're going to have to stop the run game, which I think Auburn has done a really good job of stopping the run this season. Um, and we've documented the struggles of the secondary as well for Auburn, but I, I think that – this week, the secondary has to step up, but I think the biggest matchup is going to be, can you get pressure on Sean Clifford? Yeah, I agree. Um, you took all the things, Brant. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was going to say the defensive line. Offensive line getting pushed is definitely going to be important because we want to establish the run, and I'm pretty sure that's always been Auburn's trademark is establishing the run, and I don't see why that's going to change. Um, but for the for the defensive side, we definitely have to get after Sean Clifford. I mean, last year he just stood back there in the pocket and just picked us apart with – he and Jahan Dotson just kind of just hung out and played backyard football together. Um, so that's definitely going to be something big time. Again, the secondary just kind of has to step up, kind of have some some mental errors. We want to see, you know, just not as many penalties as well would just be a big time thing. Holding penalties just seemed to haunt us last week, and, and we want to definitely cut down on those. And, um, yeah, again, I, like I said, getting after Sean Clifford is going to be something um, – that is going to be big time. So everyone has talked about the uh, Sean Clifford performance from last year, but I want to kind of remind everybody of how this game broke down. And obviously there's a lot of different players on both sides. Uh, Penn State, as you mentioned, Cam does not have Jahan Dotson anymore, uh, but still want to go back and remind everyone because uh, this is a game where Auburn did do a good job at the line of scrimmage last year. Tank Bigsby had 23 carries, 102 yards, two touchdowns. Jarquez Hunter had nine carries, 63 yards. Mm-hmm. All in all, Auburn had 40 rush attempts for 182 yards uh, and a couple touchdowns. That's four and a half yards a carry. On the flip side, that Penn State did not run the ball well. Noah Kane, who has since transferred, had 19 carries for just 45 yards and a touchdown. That's 2.4 per. All in all, Penn State, 33 rush attempts, 84 yards, two touchdowns. That's only th- 2.5 yards an attempt. It was Sean Clifford's arm uh, that uh, really gave uh, Penn State the advantage. But Auburn won, I feel like, both lines of scrimmage when it comes to that. Um, the turnover battle was even. Obviously, everyone remembers the kind of reverse play uh, to mm. open up the, the second half that went poorly oh, for man, Auburn. Oh, man, I forgot about that. Um, I tried to forget about <laughs> one of Penn State's, One of Sean Clifford's four incompletions was an interception. Uh, so, Again, this was a pretty tight game last year where Auburn definitely did some things better than Penn State. However, uh, some play-calling mishaps. There were yep. some coaching 
decisions that were not uh, ideal. And so Penn State at home gets a close 28-20 win. I think everyone would agree we're not expecting some sort of shootout here. Um, yeah. Both offenses mm-hmm. have some limitations. Obviously, it seems Auburn has some bigger limitations than Penn State's, but Penn State's is not one that is used to scoring uh, points in bunches. Uh, they obviously had to score late to beat Purdue, and I'm not disqualifying that win, but simply saying that that was not um, you know, a robust offensive performance. They ha- did have their difficulties. I think, aside from the quarterbacks, and we will talk quarterbacks, obviously, with Auburn a little bit later, um, I think that it's really important, again, um, as you guys mentioned, I think it's really important to pressure Sean Clifford, I think you have to get him off rhythm. He is a pocket guy. He is not accustomed to making a lot of plays with his legs, so automatically that puts him in the category of you get pressure, you usually get better results. Um, And then secondly, flipping it around, you talk about the missed tackles in the secondary for Penn State. Well, Auburn's wide receivers have to prove that they can force those missed tackles. uh, You know, someone like Javarius Johnson obviously has the speed to do so. Uh, and as obviously a, a guy that you can put in different situations as far as you can also jet sweep him and, and do some things there. Uh, you have Shed Jackson, who is a little bit bigger-bodied receiver. Maybe he can break a tackle or two, step out of a tackle, but it's really going to be a big referendum also in the Auburn wide receivers. As much as we focus on the passing game and, and slant it towards the quarterbacks, the wide receivers have done a pretty decent job so far of getting open and making a few plays when given the opportunity in the first two games. However, this is going to be the first game where they're really going to have to work to get open. They're going to make some contested catches. Um, and I think that's a big part of it here is you can't mention quarterback play without also talking about the wide receivers yeah. because last year so much of the ailments to Bo Nix was the inability of wide receivers to make big plays in the football. They had a lot of drops in certain games. They obviously had games where they were just not getting open, period. And so this also feels like a big game for wide receivers to make a few breakout plays, help out the quarterback a little bit. Absolutely. They're going to have to. And look, no no quarterback can look can, uh, can look good if his wide receivers are not good. That, that's the thing. Is, Agreed. Um you're, you're going to have to get some plays from your receivers, and they're going to be tested. This is one of the better secondaries that Auburn's going to face this year, much less uh, just an early season thing. This is a very, very good secondary. I think their safety, Jair Brown, had six interceptions last year. Um, they've got a couple of guys that – they've got one or two guys back there that are potential first-round draft picks. They've got a corner that is kind of the – and I can't remember the guy's name, but we talked about him with uh, with Chris Gordy yesterday um, – and he's Connor O'Gara. Yeah. Connor O'Gara, excuse me. Uh, we talked about him with Connor O'Gara, and he said, "Look, he's a fringe first-round guy. He's a very, very good corner. Auburn's Auburn's going to have to throw the ball. They're going to have to throw the ball just to soften things up in the middle, just enough to keep them honest. Um, but it's one of those things. Uh, I I forgot where I was going with this. The wide receivers are going to be tested. The yes. wide receivers are going to be tested against a very good secondary, and if they can come through, I like Auburn's chances. It's just a matter of can they." Yeah, it really is. Like you said, we're in just a matter of if they can get open, if, if we can just – somebody has to step up eventually in the wide receiver core. And I feel like that's what everybody is waiting for, especially um, I, I think TJ Finley is probably waiting for that as well. Um, just I think it will end up being uh, Javarius Johnson. We just kind of have to see. You know, he didn't play last week, if I remember correctly. He did. He did. he did. It was, um, I think it was Malcolm Johnson Jr. who didn't Malcolm play. Didn't. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, look, Javarius Johnson, Javarius Johnson is on pace for a 900 yard season right now. So, um, I can, but now, granted, he it 
two games, Mercer, right, San Jose right, State. Right. <laughs> as, as with all things that we've talked about so far with Auburn, this comes with an asterisk. Um, right. Uh, but I, I think he's played really well. Yeah. I think that he's become kind of the favorite target early in the season. He's on pace for 900 yards. Right, right. Um, that's That'd be a really big that'd season for an Auburn wide receiver. Uh, and if he picks that up a little bit, Auburn might have a 1,000-yard receiver. Yeah. It, wouldn't it be just insane if we look back at the end of the season and Auburn has the first 1,000-yard receiver since Terry Beasley? Oh, right. That would be nuts. Goodness. But, you know, who knows? Long way to go. Long way to go. Ten more games to play. We'll, we got to get through Saturday first. Got to get through Saturday. Auburn and Penn State on the aforementioned Saturday. 2.30 kickoff. Of course, the Tiger Tailgate Show on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9, starting at 1130. We're going to talk a lot more Auburn and Penn State throughout the show, but we're going to take our first time out, and on the other side, we'll go to our Auburn Bank phone line. We'll start with James from Montgomery after this timeout. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Friday afternoon, getting you set for Auburn and Penn State. James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you doing? For Auburn and Penn State, for the first time ever in Auburn uh, football program history, high-scoring game with T.J. Finley and Tank Bixby. So those are the two uh, key components I'm actually looking at at the top of the game. And then close to the middle part of the game, I'll probably see like some interceptions being turned over from Penn State. And I think with Auburn, I think our defense is actually going to pounce on the Penn, on the Penn State Nippy Lions as well. So what kind of a score prediction do you have? Um, I'll have to say Auburn at the at the fourth quarter, I'll probably say Auburn 56 to Penn State 7. Well, James, I don't know if that's going to happen. I certainly hope it does. Um, but uh, that's great. that uh, considering Auburn did not even do that against Mercer or San Jose State, I don't love the chances there, but I love your optimism. Yeah, because I do have a high optimism on that as well because, you know, with a lot of games that I actually predicted didn't even come close to it, but I think this one might make the mark. I'm quite I'm quite sure that it will make the mark, but if it don't, then I'll still be happy uh, of seeing Auburn actually winning at home as well. Yeah, James, I mean, obviously everyone wants to see the Tigers win around here. Now, uh we talked in recent days about the orange out. Are you excited that all the Auburn fans are going to be wearing orange tomorrow? Um, yes, I'm very excited. And, um, you know, it's, it's just to see that for the for the Auburn uh, football players to actually wear orange, I mean, it, it's a really it, – it'll give like a good um, – like a good fall feeling to it as well. So I think with Auburn, it will be Auburn's first time ever in their school in their school's program history to ever wear orange since 1933 or 1934 yeah we've talked about that a little bit they actually wore it in 1980 a couple of times but uh, certainly it's been a long time 
uh, since they've worn orange. And at this point, we don't think they're going to end up wearing orange. But again, the crowd will be in orange. They'll have some more orange accents, maybe some orange face masks and shoes and that sort of thing. And certainly going to be a great environment inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium. Yes, I saw because I know I'll be watching um, Penn State and Auburn, and then I'm going to be watching uh, Missouri because I know we do play them for homecoming, so I'm going to be watching Missouri and studying their uh, offense and defense as well. So I'm going to be watching them uh, this coming up week. Well, tomorrow I'm going to be watching them as well and um, studying their quarterback and seeing how we're going to stop their quarterback as well. Are you excited for the uh, the whole football slate on Saturday and Sunday? I know your Cowboys have another game. It's going to be without Dak Prescott, but a lot going on this weekend. Yes, it is. So um, I do have a lot of um, a lot of different games that are going to be going on on Saturday and Sunday as well. So for Saturday, I got a whole slate of college football games I'm going to be watching on Sunday. So I'm going to be in Montgomery tomorrow because I have to go to a uh, an early. I have. I'm actually invited to a a uh, birthday event, so I'm actually going to be going to that as well for uh, Hank Williams. So I'm going to be listening to a lot of uh, country music from a lot of country music stars, and I'm actually going to be taking some photos and posting them on uh, Facebook as well. Oh, well, that's super exciting. Yeah, so this will be my first time ever going to celebrate uh, Hank Williams' 99th birthday, and, you know, it's it's a really it's a really fun event you know they've always done it for so many many years so this will be their first time ever doing uh his birthday since uh post-pandemic uh era as well i got you well, that will be a really big event then anything else on your mind today james um well i'm actually going to be getting uh, ready to be watching florida state and air force and seeing um you know seeing if um, those two games will be a really good uh, matchup that I'm going to be watching today. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, a lot going on, as you said, James, and uh, we're looking forward to watching it all throughout the weekend. And uh, I know that, uh, like I said, you got the uh, the Cowboys game on Sunday. You got the uh, Bristol night race uh, the week after Bubba Wallace has his first ever win. There's just a lot of sports going on right now, man. Yes, that's well. And then uh, with my Cowboys, I'm hoping that we would get uh, that Prescott back. So I did uh, hear um, some inf- information from head coach Mike McCarthy. And Mike McCarthy actually said in the press conference earlier today that Dak Prescott will be coming back on October the 16th. So I'm hoping that things might look a little bit better for him. And I've been hearing rumors that uh, somebody might make a make a good appearance if Dak Prescott doesn't make a recovery. I'm thinking they're looking at uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Colin Kaepernick, or um, or Cam Newton, just to name those three guys to actually play for the Dallas Cowboys as well. Would you like it if Cam Newton played for the Dallas Cowboys? Um, yes, because I think if. Dak Prescott did not come back to the Cowboys, and we were going to, um, if we were going to open up, you know, you know, money and actually get somebody else to replace Dak Prescott, I think uh, Cam Newton would be our key component because he he looks like a Super Bowl contender as well, and on top of that, as a Hall of Famer as well. 
Cam certainly has had a great career. A lot of question what else he has to give if he does get another NFL opportunity, but we still are rooting for that to happen. Uh, last thing for us, James, where we got to let you go and get to another caller. Well, actually, I did see that Tom Brady will be making uh, his debut in the in, a, in the in the Pro Football uh, Hall of Fame, and they were saying that uh, Justin Herbert will be making his appearance uh, known in Canton, Ohio. So I think that's not a good thing for uh, the Los Angeles Chargers to actually put him that high. So with you know, with a lot of former um, Pro Football Hall of Famers that are in the Hall of Fame, I think for Justin Herbert, he has to win a Super Bowl to call himself a Hall of Famer as well. Well, it's important to remember, James, that that none of these guys can go to the Hall of Fame until after they retire. So even Tom Brady can't go for several more years. And Justin Herbert is very young. Obviously, what he's done to date would not be enough to be in the Hall of Fame. But I think just a lot of people feel that he is on that path. He's an excellent young quarterback. And not everyone that's in the Hall of Fame has won a Super Bowl. So uh, I, I just think a lot of people love the path that Justin Herbert is on, and I think he'll get get there eventually. Yes, as well, because, I mean, playing in the Hall of Fame is, is a really good, um, you know, a, a really good accomplishment as well. And uh, coming up in October, on October the 2nd, they're actually going to be doing another Hall of Fame game uh, next month. Baltimore Ravens, so I think that's going to be a really good classic matchup between those two uh, franchise teams in the NFL. I was not aware of that. I'll have to, uh, I'll, I'll take your word for it, but um, that will be a big game no matter where that's played. The Bills and Ravens figure to be two of the best teams in the AFC. Well, James, we appreciate the phone call. Hope you have a great weekend, and we hope uh, you enjoy the Auburn Penn State game and many other things this weekend. All right, sounds good. And War Eagle, and I'll take the Auburn and Penn State uh, trivia on Monday. Okay, Auburn and Penn State trivia on Monday. We got you. All right, sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle, that is James from Montgomery joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341 locally. Toll free, one 9 tiger 9 Next up on the Auburn Bank phone line, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt joins us. Matt, how are you doing? Hi, who am I talking to? Ryan and Cam right now. What's up, man? What's up, what's up Cam? What's going on? Hey, hey I, uh, I got a question for you guys. What do you think about the commitment to four-star um, wide receiver Auburn got and then the four-star wide receiver Auburn lost? Yeah, I think it's a pretty even trade-off ultimately. Both guys were top 300 yeah, I guys. Uh, I think English was a little higher rated if you want to be technical, but they're both four-star guys. They're both uh, around the same ranking, so a pretty even trade there. Obviously, you got to see what they become in college before you ultimately see what kind of player they become. But but realistically, for Auburn, you know they've got to get a lot of different players. So it was good to recover that commitment and get a new four-star wide receiver. But they still got a lot of work to do in the recruiting trail. But they've also got a lot of recruits visiting this weekend for Penn State weekend. Yeah, um, I'm gonna change my like. Uh, I heard Jane score, and I agree with you guys. I don't think the score that Jane gave you guys. I don't think Auburn scored that many points. Okay. But my score, my score would be thirty-eight. Auburn thirty-eight, Penn State twenty-eight. Thirty-eight, twenty-eight. Okay, I can see that. Um, obviously this game should be close, so that's why you know I, I think it's going to be about a ten-point game or closer, no matter wh- who wins it. 
And uh, I like that prediction. Or I could go um, Auburn 43, uh, Penn State 28. Okay, that one giving even more points to the Tigers. I see it. But, uh, yeah, no, well, that's the great thing. A lot of people have a lot of different opinions on this game. It's a pretty even matchup, especially factoring in that it is in Auburn this year. And so that's that's the great unknown. we got to see this game play out in the field. It's a big game, and like I can ask you guys this question, but this is a big game for Auburn and for Harson, for Harson to keep his job, right? It feels that way. Obviously, one loss does not, uh, you know, destroy Brian Harson's job or anything like that. But it's just if it is a loss, it, it a starts to bring in, help. yeah, it, it brings in the possibilities of how how bad the season could ultimately go if Auburn loses. So I don't think a win or a loss inherently gives him a, one destiny over the other, but obviously it sets a tone that might be hard to come back from, especially if it's a loss. So what do you guys think about Miami playing Texas A&M? What do you guys think about that game? Yeah, that's another one where Texas A&M feels like, as the home team, they really need to win it after a, a, a surprising loss, to say the least, to Appalachian State last weekend. And obviously a lot of fun is being made at Jimbo Fisher's expense for the amount of money he's making and the uh, lack of results they're starting to yield over there at College Station. So I think that's another close game. I think that's another game where the home team is going to get a boost from its home crowd if it was played in the other venue. I think I think Miami would definitely have to be favored. I think it's very even matchup, and it's one that A&M, if they want to avoid their season going in the tank, I think they need to win that game. Well, I got Miami. I picked Miami to win, so I got Miami 49 Texas A&M, 23. A lot of points for Miami there. That would be really bad news for Texas A&M if that happened. Yeah. And then um, I got, let's see, uh, Georgia Georgia winning against Sacramento. Okay. I got, I got Georgia 56, um, Sacramento 14. Okay, big blowout in that one. Um, see, Missouri's playing. Who's who's Missouri playing? They're playing Abilene Christian. It's a small small school. Um, I got Missouri in that game. Um, thirty-four to twelve. Okay. Um, let's see. What about uh, Ole Miss and Georgia Tech? That one's in Atlanta. Uh, I really don't like. I used to live in Georgia, so I went to school in Georgia high school. Okay. In Georgia, I went to Fairbury. Um, I, I got Tech winning. Hmm. The first score when Auburn played against Mercer. 42-16? Uh, yeah. Okay, that would be uh, that would be a big surprise. It would be a big upset for Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. And then, um, let's see. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's my, um, that's my, uh, that's my scores. I will probably, if you guys did ever do like a 
Miami, Texas, Texas A&M, trivia. I like to do that. Um, I don't know if you guys can do that or not. Um, not on the fly here. Um, I'd have to look something up, but uh, maybe we could give you some trivia of some sort Monday if you want some trivia on Monday. Yeah, I would do that. And um, how long uh, the intern after Thurder Auburn hired, how long would he be there to they find a replacement for Alan Green? Uh, the interim AD, really no telling, Matt. I mean, they could have uh, the interim for uh, several months, almost a year, um, or it could be rather quick. It could be a couple months. They say they want to do a national search, which indicates it would be some period of time. It wouldn't be too short-lived. But uh, really, I mean, these things can take some time. I don't think they're as fast as coaching head coaching decisions. It would probably be a couple months at least. What are you thinking about, Cam? Yeah, I agree. I, I think um... – you know, it's just only time will tell doing a national search. It takes a lot of time to find the right person for the job. So they, they want to see somebody that's going to be a perfect fit uh, for Auburn to, to continue getting all of the programs and uh, set and, and right. So it's just going to take a matter of probably a couple of months, like uh, Ryan said. Well, hey, uh, one more question, and then I'll probably do it here Monday because I don't have time to do it today. Okay. Um, because I gotta get a, I got to make a phone call at four thirty five today. So but the quest, last question for both of you guys, you guys can um take turns answering it. But what do you think about seats in the um for behind the the Bing Green Munster at the baseball field and also box seats? At the baseball field, what do you guys think about that? Oh yeah, really excited about that. Excited to have seats on top of that green monster in left field. I think that's going to be a unique seating experience that not many at all have in college baseball. And then I think seats over there, uh, some luxury box seats, always a good idea. Again, accommodate different different crowds and, and and make some more money off of that. And so I think it's a good idea. What about you, Cam? Yeah, definitely going to be something that uh, a lot of people will enjoy. Um, I'm sure those seats will probably be fought over constantly by everybody because, you know, everybody wants to be in the cool new seats, and uh, I think that'll be definitely uh, so are, something. Are they are they trying to be kind of like um, the Boston Red Sox? I guess you could say <laughs> yeah. that. I mean, that will definitely feel it's like the Red Sox. Solid correlation. Yeah. Well, hey. Um, well, if James is listening, James, the score you did. My score is a little bit better. I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but um, I, I'm, I'm hoping that Auburn can do better, improve from the last year. Absolutely. Because, because like, and one more last question. Yeah, last question. Then, then we'll have to let you go. Yep. So, 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 so uh, Ryan and Cam, do you think that? Um, We'll probably see probably Gonzaga or the freshman against either LSU or Missouri. Start. I, I doubt it. Uh, it seems as though unless something absolutely crazy happened, it seems like it's going to be TJ Finley or Robbie Ashford, uh, a combination of both. It, it doesn't seem like Calzada is ready to see the field yet. And uh, Holden Gurner pretty much in every game. I've been to the first two games of the season. I've been to both of them. And Gurner has been in um, in a 
Brad Jersey with a headset on, and so he he doesn't even seem like he's going to get any playing time whatsoever. Um, so we'll we'll have to wait to probably see him maybe next year. Well, hey, I'm gonna let you guys go. If you guys see JJ and Brooke, um, and tell them I said War Eagle, and my man Devon Reed, tell them that Auburn needs to win this game tomorrow. I'll let them know. We'll we'll do and, that for and, you, Matt. And Cam. Yeah. I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you. Will you be on the show Monday? I will. Uh, and um, Ryan. Yeah. No, I'm not usually on the Monday show. I'll be on Tuesday. Oh, okay. So will Tom be on? Tom, Tom will, will be, be on, on Monday. Yep. yep. Okay. Well, Tom Tom owes us like sixty dollars to it, and stuff. So make sure you can make sure you tell him that. Okay. I will surely do that for you. Hey, you guys have a good day and war eagle. War, war eagle. eagle, Matt. We appreciate that phone call. That is Matt for Tallahassee, Matt for Auburn, joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We got to take another break. On the other side of this break, birthdays and sports, and we'll close out hour number one. All of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call Podcast. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to the Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9. My name is Ryan LaVoy filling in for our normal host, J.J. Jackson, alongside of Cam Berry today. Also, Brant Daughtry, who is doing some company business at the moment, our favorite thing to say. (laughs) Uh, Just a few minutes left in hour number one. Just heard from James from Montgomery and Matt from Tallahassee on our Auburn Bank phone line. Of course, we are appreciative of any and all callers and all of you listeners out there as we're getting you set for Auburn and Penn State. I'm going to click off another hour now. So we're under 23 hours away from kickoff between Auburn and Pennsylvania State as a big one top 25 opponent coming in. First time Auburn has ever hosted a Big Ten team, and that's very honestly odd. That's surprising. You definitely could have bought that it was the first time Auburn was hosting Penn State, but you didn't just pick a needle out of the haystack. But not a single Big Ten team coming to Jordan-Hare Stadium yet. That shall change. Uh, so we're getting you set for that one. But first, we do this each and every day. It's time for Birthdays in Sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn and the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. That is Max Credit Union, proud sponsor of Birthdays and Sports. And today on September the 16th, Bryson DeChambeau turns 
29 years old, professional golfer for the LIV Golf Tour. Boo here, please. Uh, formerly <laughs> with the PGA Tour. <laughs> he is yet to win while with LIV Golf. While the PGA Tour, he won eight times, including one major championship, which was the 2020 U.S. Open. As an amateur, DeChambeau became the fifth player in history to win both the NCAA Division I Championship and the U.S. Amateur in the same year. Nicknamed the Scientist. The Scientist, yep. He's uh, I, I've always remembered him as the guy that hits the ball really hard. <laughs> yeah, and he would say he has a, a scientific approach to that. Yep. Uh, however, just eight wins in his now seven or eight-year career. So we wonder how if that science actually yeah. works. Bryson DeChambeau, though, one of the sports' biggest names, turns 29 today. Tim Raines turned 63, former MLB left fielder. He was a seven-time All-Star, three-time World Series champion, 1986 Silver Slugger, 1986 NL batting champion. He was the National League stolen base leader four times. He played for the Montreal Expos, Chicago White Sox, New York Yankees, Oakland Athletics, Baltimore Orioles, and Florida Marlins. Has his jersey number 30 retired with the Expos. Was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2017. He was the guy that was always on the ballot, getting 5% here and 5% yep. there, and just increasing, <laughs> increasing over time. Finally, in 2017, Tim Raines made it. He turns 63 today. Robin Yount turned 67, former MLB shortstop, shortstop excuse me, for the Milwaukee Brewers. Three-time All-Star, two-time American League MVP, was a gold glover, three-time silver slugger, has jersey number 19, retired by the Brew Crew, Member of the American Family Field Walk Walk of Fame, member of Milwaukee Brewers Wall of Honor, inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1999. A couple Hall of Famers there. Robin Yount turned 67. Sweet. Nearly half his age and not destined for Cooperstown, but we like him all the same. Robbie Grossman yeah. turns 33 <laughs> today. Current outfielder for the Atlanta Braves. He's playing for the Houston Astros, Minnesota Twinkies, Oakland Athletics, and Detroit Tigers. Grossman hitting just over 200. A diamond in the rough that we kind of <laughs> that that AA traded for. Well, he I tell you what, he's he's hitting a he's got a couple of very clutch hits. Yeah. Um however, the totality of his numbers not great no, still. No, no. Um, but since he's joined the Braves. And uh so as a Brave hitting 228, but again I'll has, take that. has a cut. Yeah, it's better than his 211 <laughs> yeah. for the year. Uh, so he's come in clutch a few times. Hopefully he'll continue to do so. Robbie Grossman turns 33 today. Gordon Beckham turns 36, former MLB second baseman. Selected eighth overall in 2008 MLB draft by the Chicago White Sox out of the University of Georgia. Also played for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, the Atlanta Braves, San Francisco Giants, Seattle Mariners, and Detroit Tigers. He is a current analyst on Bally Sports Coverage. Hmm. Of the Atlanta Braves, he's sometimes at the desk. Yeah, he's a he was an All American at, at UGA. Yes, he was very, big time college good, player. Yeah, very very good college player. Gordon Beckham turns 36 today, and then last but not least, Aaron Gordon turns 28. Current four for the Denver Nuggets, selected fourth overall in the 2014 NBA Draft by the Orlando Magic out of Arizona. At Arizona, Arizona Gordon was a First, or yeah, excuse me, at Arizona, he was a first team all Pac 12 guy, Pac 12 freshman of the year. In high school, Gordon was the McDonald's All American Game MVP, two time California Mr. Basketball, first team All American USA Basketball Male Athlete of the Year. And you notice all those accolades predominantly when he was in high school and yeah. college. He's an okay NBA player, but he did bring arguably the best dunk contest of all time. He's he did. A part of. Big time dunker. He, yeah, he and Zach Levine um, 
I mean, I'll never forget that dunk contest. So Aaron Gordon turns 28 today. And, of and he should have won. <laughs> I stand by that. You remember it well, then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was one of the best I've ever seen. But uh, nevertheless, Aaron Gordon turns 28 today, and those are the birthdays in sports brought to you by Max Credit Union. And uh, that will almost take us to the end of hour. Just about a minute left there. Another good list of birthdays. We've got a lot of days where we've had five, six guys yeah. on the birthday report. Sometimes a lot uh, of birthdays. I don't know what it is, and I can't even really tell you what time of the year. Sometimes there's only like three or four guys, and like, hey, yeah, someone be born on this day. And then <laughs> there's other times where you don't even know who we, Too we make. Too many people born on this day. We make graphics on social media for it, and, you'll, and you have all these great options, and we got some of those coming up. And uh, so birthdays and sports there. Another good list today. A couple MLB Hall of Famers in there as well. And uh, almost out of time for hour number one. In hour number two, we will talk more about Auburn and Penn State. We avoided the quarterback discussion for the most part in hour number one, but it's unavoidable. We will start oh, yeah. talking about that in hour number two. We'll also recap some NFL for you from last night between the Chargers and Woo. the Chiefs. Hopefully <sighs> you saw that on Amazon Prime uh, as we get you set for week two of NFL action. And then also – Week three of all the college football action. We got to talk some SEC, Georgia, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Georgia Tech, Texas A&M, and Miami, to name just a few. So a lot to talk about in the next couple of hours of the program. And so keep it right here as we've got a lot of things to discuss in the world of football, which is here. We got to value it because you can already start to count down when it's going to leave. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Don't do that. It's not going to do that, people. Still very early. Lots of time. Enjoy the football. Uh, out of time for hour number one. However, more football talk, more sports call coming up after this timeout. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call on this Friday afternoon, getting going. Ryan LaVoy, Brent Daughtry, Kim Berry with you here. On this wonderful Friday on the Plains, mid-80s and sunshine as the sun goes behind a cloud. Great timing. 
Uh, but nevertheless, very sunny day overall. And uh, most importantly for tomorrow's forecast inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium, uh, we're not expecting any rain tomorrow. So uh, no, no lightning delay. Fingers no crossed. get wet five plays into oh, the game. Yep. Shouldn't have any of that tomorrow. Should be mid to upper 80s at kickoff for Auburn and Penn State. Hour number one was a lot of fun. We went over birthdays and sports, talked to a couple of our callers, and started to break down Auburn and Penn State minus the Auburn quarterbacks. So now dun, dun, dun. we avoided an hour. We were good. We stayed off the topic. It's time to get on the topic of Auburn quarterbacks. TJ Finley and Robbie Ashford will both see playing time tomorrow in varying capacities. Fellas, I'll just start with that. What do you expect to see uh, play time-wise, play call-wise, scheme-wise out of the Auburn quarterbacks tomorrow? I'm really hoping that we just see T.J. Finley play the whole game and we can't take him out because he's just on fire and slinging <laughs> the ball over the, all over the field. That would be quite nice. I it? I don't think that's what we're going to see. Uh, and that's not. not to say that T.J. is definitely going to have a bad game or that he can't have a good game even if they do put Ashford in, but... You know, Keesaw said the other day that they've been holding Ashford back because he's not ready and they want to expand. That is fresh off the heels of me saying I think we're going to see him less and that his offense is pretty much installed. So, who knows? You know, <laughs> right? who knows know? what we're going to see? We're all, um, it's all speculation. Here's what I want to see. I want to see Auburn put the ball in the air no more than 20 times because I want the ground game to just be working. Uh, you outlined it uh, at the top of the show, Ryan. Uh, Auburn ran the ball very effectively against Penn State last year, even even though they didn't run the ball as much as everybody thought they should have. Uh, I think going forward, you're going. I think Auburn is going to try to attack Penn State with the ground game in this game. Yeah, I, I think that they can. I think that is the weakness of Penn State. It's all a matter of can Auburn's offensive line block the front four of Penn State effectively? Because I think they can handle the linebackers. I really do. Um, and, and, you know, again, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. Who knows what what happens? This is 18 to 21-year-olds playing a game. You know, how reliable were you when you were 17 or 18 years old? But just looking at this game on paper, that seems that seems to be where the, the favorable matchup is. If Auburn can win up front against Penn State's front four, I like Auburn's chances. Yeah, domination in the run game. Um, it does. It just doesn't seem like Penn State's front four is – much better they're probably worse honestly than they were last year i mean i think last year they had what two draft picks yeah. on their d line yeah. so i they've gotten probably worse i don't see why auburn's offensive line shouldn't be able to get some push establish a great run game um so i definitely want to be able to see tank and and um, you know um <clears throat> excuse me jarquez and and even damari austin if he gets some playing time because every time it seems like he touches the ball he good things happen um, so the the combination of the three of them should definitely establish a really strong run game. I agree with you, Brand. I don't want to see us throw more than 20, maybe 25 times uh, just because it's just clearly not our strong suit. If, if we can get it going a little bit, maybe we find a soft spot in their in their in their defense maybe we can get something going like I said maybe maybe somebody can step up um, and we just have a, a great, a great game. I would love to see something something like that from one of our receivers. Um, John Samuel Schenker is going to get his targets. You know, probably his five, maybe six targets every game, um, and we're we're going to kind of rock out that way. Uh, just want to see TJ just make smart decisions, not feel rushed. We don't, you know, like I said, I I don't think 
that their front four is going to pressure us near as much. Uh, I just don't think they're going to be that great. Um, so it's just going to be up to TJ to see if he can put the ball in the right right spot when he's called upon him. Um, with Robbie, you know, it, it's just every time he comes in, it's just going to be a run play, right? We know that. And, and the chances of him keeping the ball are pretty high because, you know, we kind of run the option, but he keeps it every time. So it's kind of a Robbie run is, is what it's going to be. Um, so we should – calling him to expand if we're going to put it out there because it's just going to as the season progresses it's going to be known that once Robbie comes out there oh it's going to be a run play load the box so to kind of keep defenses on their toes we need to we need to expand it a little bit because that's going to eventually take away an element of our offense if they want to use that consistently so uh, that's that's what I think so I think that Auburn will be able to have success running the football um, I think Penn State's strength up front can be more of a pass rush. I was looking up the numbers because obviously Auburn's defensive line is supposed to be a, a strength, and I think it will be a strength throughout the year. But obviously it's gotten off to a little bit of a slow start. Yeah, Auburn so far this year has four sacks, nine tackles for a loss. Penn State has three sacks, eight tackles for a loss. So, right so about pretty, the same. pretty even there. Because I, I just I obviously did not watch much of the Penn State Ohio game. I saw a couple plays. I saw Penn State go and score on a drive before half, and that was really the extent of it. When I watched a good deal of Penn State Purdue, although Penn State only had two sacks in that game, I felt that they did a pretty good job of getting some pressure, making O'Connell get off of his line. Uh, ironically, T.J. Finley, some of his best players in his Auburn tenure have been him kind of scrambling around. True, and, you know, it's not he's not always the most fleet of foot, obviously. So I'm not saying it's inherently a good thing for him just to be running around for his life. But he has made some weirdly good plays he's when chaos right is going on back yeah. there. He's he's played good backyard football. He's a gamer, uh, and he yeah he's he's got some he's got some some grit in him, and I like that about him. Uh, he's willing. He doesn't panic just because something goes wrong. Uh, and I think, you know, it's Penn State did have a lot of pressures against Purdue, but also Purdue throws the ball 50 times a game. That That is their offense. They don't run the ball very much, and that was to their detriment in their loss to Penn State. They should have won that game. Purdue gave that game away. Um, and I don't know. Auburn's going to mix it up more. I, th I don't Definitely. think that Penn State's going to be able to pin their ears back and mm -hmm. just come after TJ on every play the way they were against – the way they did against Purdue. But, again – Look, Auburn's offensive line is a question mark. Penn State's defensive line is less is less of one. No, it's not as good as it was last year, but it's still better than what we expect Auburn's offensive line to be. I don't need Auburn's offensive line to dominate. I need Tank Bigsby to get five or six yards a carry. Right. It's That's, more about the the run blocking it. Yes, for sure. Yes. For sure. Also, and, and, go ahead. Sorry to cut you off, Brent. Just inherently speaking, if your game plan is to run the ball – 40, 45 times and throw it 20 or 25 times. Now, we don't know if ultimately the game situation will allow that, but we've got to figure that there's just no way Auburn's playing to pass if, football as much run. Yeah, if Auburn you, dictates this game, that's what that's about what it's going to bring right, down to. Right, then you're wanting that run walking to hold up better than pass walking because just simply, this is, I know, a captain obvious statement, but you want to succeed at the things you do more of. And so if you're going to run four, you know, two times, two to, Two out of every three times, essentially, then you're going to want to be able to run block better than you pass block. And ironically, last year was like the first time that Auburn's offensive line did not do that. They were a better pass blocking team than a run blocking team last year, where it felt like every other year that it existed, it was the they had been a, a better run blocking yep. team. Um, so 
so far, you know, I think they've had some degrees of success. I think you've seen Tank Bigsby make some plays. But again, it's just so hard to know for a fact where you stand compared to last year because of the quality competition. And everyone's numbers in general are going to be better against two lower-level college football teams and against a bunch of SEC teams and top 25 teams. I was talking about T.J. Finley's completion percentage is right now 10 points higher than it was last year. It's 64 to 54. However, he's thrown a couple more picks than he did already last year. And, again, you're talking about teams that just aren't to the caliber that Auburn will see the entire rest of the year, save for Western Kentucky. So I, it's, it's so hard to really be very confident in what we've seen so far. I guess my question would be to you two then, is there something that you feel that you would plant a flag and say, I am sure Auburn is better at this than they were last year? And if not, that's fine, because I don't necessarily think there's anything that they're for sure worse in than last year so far. But is there anything you'd be willing to go out on a limb right now and say, I, you know what, I feel Auburn is better at this last year? I feel like... I feel like they're better at running the offense. I feel like the playbook has expanded a little bit, even though I think it's been vanilla the first two games. You showed a little bit against Mercer, but you kept it very, very plain against San Jose State. But I feel like the operational things are a little yeah. bit smoother. Yeah. Uh, and I think the wide receiver room is better. Uh, I don't know if the top-end talent is as good as it was last season, but I uh, obviously the loss of Kobe Hudson uh, hurts a lot there. But I feel like from top to bottom, you have more options in that wide receiver room. Like we talked about earlier, Javarius Johnson is knocking on the door of a 1,000-yard season if he keeps up this pace. And again, 10 games left, we've got to take it one game at a time. So we'll see. But I do think that there are some playmakers in that wide receiver room. It's a matter of can they get open. And again, this is going to be the true test. If, if Auburn can have a successful day, and successful means, I think, over 200 yards passing for T.J. Finley and no interceptions, um, if he can have that kind of a day then I think that the, these wide receivers will definitely pass that test. I'm not sure. If, if Me neither. I'm not I, sure. I, I do agree. Kind the of, wide receiver room is better. It looks better. And I the, don't know if I – That that's why it's hard to yeah. say because I'm kind of – I'm I'm not – I'm in a subtle way I'm looking for like a small hot take. Not like not like a <laughs> not like a scorch well, the earth. Quarterback's comes, better. It's like it's I'm, not, I'm it's warming not. up it's the not. oven oh, type of is, take. Because that's what I was thinking. I'm like, okay, well, the quarterback play is not better. The offensive line, we could probably say, is about the same. Wide receiver room, I agree, just because of the coaching change, that that will probably show improvement over the season. I think so. Um, play calling, I agree with you as well, Brand. I think you know we talked about this in the offseason that Parson has his guys. I think everything's going to be synonymous. We're going to have – we're it's going to be synergy and, and everybody's going to be on the same page. I think that's going to that's gonna be a, a key part in how this season plays out. Defense, overall, we're fine. It's, it's tough. Might it's have tough to say. A little bit worse. Yeah. Well, might you you lose. A bit worse. You lose a guy who's currently starting in the right, NFL. Right. Right. You corner, lose Roger. So that's right. tough. You lose a three-year starter in Smoke Monday. Right. Another starter. Right. Yeah. Both went. And while pro. you get better at not targeting, the other part of it is <laughs> right. He was and a I, good was, I am was. still screaming from the rooftops. Please put twenty pounds on Smoke Monday and move him to linebacker. He's a <laughs> Hall of Famer. And and then. Linebackers, I, I think they're going to be fine. You know, uh, obviously losing um, Zacoby. You lost Zacoby McClain, was, yeah. is big, but you have Owen still, and I think he's going to be a key piece. And the coming along of Cam Riley is instrumental. So that's a, definitely a a big key part in how we're 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 viewing yeah. this. I think so you can I, argue that I, the D line is better. The D line, 
Yeah. You you replace Tony yeah. Fair with Jason Jones, yeah. and I think who's, that's who's an upgrade. Probably better. You're you, right. You add some more depth. You lose JJ Pegues, but he was a backup, and you bring in another backup. I think they're pretty equal is there. Pegues, I think is Pegues playing at Ole Miss? I thought yes, I saw he him is on playing the, defensive the, tackle at okay. Ole Miss. And, and so with that, you, rest you know, in peace, Ham Newton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Ham Newton. Um, and with that, so there's there's just a lot of things you can think about. Obviously, running back is still extremely talented. That's obviously the best unit on the team. Uh, I think we can all agree on that. Um, so it, it's I, I don't know. I just um, I don't know. I don't think that we're necessarily better. Again, don't you feel know? bad no, about not no, having I, a hot I'm take for it. I was, I'm with you. I'm I was just wanting to see if we had any. You know, if the no, oven had already warmed up for I, people or. But I agree with Brent. I think the play calling and the wide receivers are something that are worth watching that will inevitably improve. Yeah, I think with this team, you know, I think it's a, I think it's good news, bad news. The the bad news is I'm other than maybe I feel more confident the wide receivers, like Brand said. Right. I'm not sure if there's a stud guy there, but I feel like there's three or four reliable guys yeah. there. Um other than that, there's nothing I can cling to and say for a fact it's better. The good news is there's nothing there, there's I, I'm starting to like have some worries about the defensive backfield and some yeah. pass coverage stuff. But yeah. again, it wouldn't be to the point that I'm just so sure it's, it's gone the other yeah. way and it's no. definitely worse. So the good news is there's not anything that is for sure worse that, you know, again, there's some more nestled bad news and there's like, well, you, you needed to be better at some things because you needed to be obviously better at some things if you yeah. went six and six. But again, a lot goes into that. You're very close to not being six and six. You're close to being a lot better than that. So again, this game, we're talking it up a lot nationally. Like it's like a B importance game, it's like a B plus. It's like a top twenty-five team going on the road against the middle of the road SEC team right. in the preseason projections. It's like okay, we care, but you know, it's not like the Georgia Oregon game was week one, or even Alabama and Texas last week. But it matters. But for Auburn's sake, it just matters so much because of everything we came into the season talking about as far as job security and what kind of season you're going to have, if you're going to show the improvement and that sort of thing. And so, uh, and also just so many teams in the country in at least one of their first two games have played something of decent caliber against themselves where they at least have some sort of measuring stick, even if it's not up to the level of maybe their conference play. But Auburn's just played something so beneath what the SEC is so far. This is your first look at like, okay, am I, am what, are what we seeing, is it, is it what it looks to be? Is it actually yeah. where it is or was it far better? Is it far worse? We're going to start to find that out tomorrow. On the other side of this break, we're going to shift gears a little bit. We're going to talk some NFL. We'll also have a little bit later on some more college football, look around the SEC and some of the big games this weekend. This is the Friday edition of Sports Call. Follow our Sports Call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU.
Welcome back to the Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, or if you're listening to us on the Tiger Communications app or the Tiger.fm. My name is Ryan Lavoy. Alongside of me today, Cam Berry and Brand Daughtry. We are filling in for JJ Jackson, who will be back on the program next Tuesday. He'll also be out Monday. Brooks Childress will be hosting that Monday show. And uh, we look forward to seeing everything that happens in the world of football between now and then. We're going to talk some more football coming up in just a moment, some NFL football as well. But first, let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341 locally, toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up, Terry from Auburn. Terry joins us. Terry, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, guys. How are you all today? Doing Good, well. Good, sir. Great. Fantastic. God, I just hope this doesn't come down to a coaching decision because I think comparing James Franklin to uh, Brian Harson is like comparing uh, filet mignon to hamburger. Yeah, I don't think James Franklin is filet mignon because uh, he's obviously – had... compared to Brian Harson. I don't know if ah. I'm doing that already. Um, but uh, James Franklin has had his travails at Penn State. He has won a Big Ten championship, but if you talk to people up there, his seat is not the coolest in the world. I'm not saying he can – uh, have a okay year and get fired, but I'm saying that uh, he's he's not infallible up there. And he's one of those guys, quite honestly, that I if they decide to ever make a change in Auburn, and I hope they do. Uh, that that he he's a guy I wouldn't mind seeing mentioned for that job because I think he would put the fear into Nick Saban because he could recruit and bring in players. Don't think it'll happen, but it would. There's a name I wouldn't mind seeing uh, being mentioned for that for the Auburn job. Yeah, I mean, um, go yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Just want to ask you guys what you thought about. You were discussing the game plan a little bit. Does everybody hold their breath when T.J. Finley throws the ball like I do? So I just wondered how many times you think they can throw the ball at the game and win. Terry, you know, I, I don't think you breathe. I, Terry, I don't think you breathe when Auburn's offense is on the field the way you talk about it. <laughs> I breathe because I'm alive, but I, I just like I said I'm, they're never going to win anything with T.J. Finley. So. Yeah, yeah we'll no, have to agree disagree there. Obviously, Auburn prefers to run the ball, and uh, that's going to be um, th- their best course of option. But you know, I, I think with with Finley, obviously, we're we're just going to have to to see it in a in a big game here. Obviously, he's had a few turnovers this year. The completion percentage is higher so far, albeit against lesser competition. So obviously, that's the million dollar question for Auburn and what their season is going to be like depends on how they can improve throwing the football. But what number would you guys put on T.J. Finley goes over, say, 16, 18, 20 passes? I don't know. You're starting getting nervous. He can't, he can't do that. He can't throw the ball with any kind of consistency past 20. Or, or I'm just throwing a number out there. Yeah, I think it would be problematic for Auburn to have to have a, a lot of passes in this game given that they want to run the ball, they're better at running the ball, and usually passing the ball a lot more than you planned on is usually because you are losing yep. the football game and you're behind. playing from behind. So obviously, right. once you start to get over that 20 pass number, you're thinking something's kind of going awry there. Well, let me ask you guys this. What kind of loss would hurt Brian Harson more? If they kick a field goal to beat Auburn right, with four seconds to go, or they beat them 48 to 10? A blowout yeah. would be worse. 48 to 10, because yeah. if you lose a close one, uh, you can still see Auburn winning football games in the SEC. If you lose 48-10, to 10, in your then you like stadium? the Missouri game and you like the Western Kentucky game, and that's about it at that point. So 48-10 uh, means Auburn's a, a pretty dreadful football team. Uh, a close loss means you made one or two dumb decisions or dumb plays that cost you a football game. I can see that because when I was in high school, we lost, we lost to our rival 7-6 to six in my sophomore year, and that game still hurts me today, and I'm 55 years old. 
I definitely think, like, for the fan, it's more painful to lose a close game. Uh, it's more heartbreaking. It sticks with mm-hmm. you. There's a lot of sure. ifs and, and what ifs and, and what have could have. But the I think kick in the gut. But I right. think when you're talking this early in the season, you can't afford to see uh, a, a loss like that because that can set such a negative tone if you lose by 30 some points. Penn State's a good football team. They're going to win some games this year. I don't think they'll be a national championship contender. But if you lose by 38 to them or, or 30 or just na- name your big demonstrative score. When you lose that game at home, you start to worry about every game on your schedule. You see no guarantees, and you're really asking for a lot of trouble throughout the year. Well, all the discussion this week about the orange jersey, I know you all have heard of it. I don't think it was ever going to happen. But what would be the chances of any kind of surprise happening in uniform or scheme? What if they come out in blue pants? (laughs) Blue pants. Well, you know, I think what you've heard is interesting from the players is the players really want a uniform change. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what probably drives this more than anything. When you're talking about recruiting and you're talking about trying to get the best players to your school and appease your players in this age where players can go anywhere at any time, it feels like. I think not this year. But I don't think you're too far from seeing something different with Auburn's uniform. That's pretty significant. Okay, let me ask you this. Have you you seen Alabama change their uniform? No, have not. Exactly. Case closed. And as far back to T.J. Finley, if he throws the ball one time, that's too many for me. Take care, guys. All right. See you, Terry. We appreciate the phone call. That is Terry from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. (laughs) Um, Obviously, uh, Terry has been a Robbie Ashford guy. Uh, you'll see Robbie Ashford some, although definitely we uh, going to see T.J. Finley start the game. And, and look, the clear thing is, no matter who you want at quarterback, they're going to need T.J. Finley to play well here uh, in this game because he's going to be a part of the game plan, as will Ashford. But I'll be interested, guys, to see. We'll stick on this for one more second, take another break, hopefully come back with some NFL in just a moment. I'll be interested to see... Because this is going to be, you know, at least let's assume there's not a major mistake by one or two. Let's assume there's no fumble, no interception in the first couple of quarters. I'll be interested to see if Astrid's given a real opportunity to throw a pass. I'm not saying multiple passes. I'm not saying like a whole series of only Robbie Astrid, but just like a big play action pass early in the game or some situation where it seems like it's going to be run, but it's actually a pass. Do you think we'll see that kind of situation for Astrid, or do you think it will only be the occasional read option, the occasional quarterback power type of thing? Well, I think we have to, just in the sense of, like I said earlier, I think if we keep Robbie in the just-run situation, that creates a predictable scenario in how the game's going to go. But if we can keep the defense on their toes and put and bring Robbie Ashford in and put him in a play-action pass, where it, I mean, even if he doesn't complete it, it's showing that there's faith in him and that, oh, he's not just coming in just to run the ball every single time. It's it's There's the perception, the opportunity that he might throw it. So that I, that's why I think it should happen. I don't know that it will. Um, so that, that's just my thoughts on it. Yeah, I'm with you. You have to keep a defense guessing. If the defense, yes. if the defense knows what's coming, you're screwed. Thank you. You're absolutely hosed. You, you don't have a shot. That's one of the few advantages that offenses have over defenses is that the defense doesn't know what's coming and has to adjust to what the offense does. Um, and it's one of the, I, you know, I, I've said, let's not harp on the past, but if I may for a moment, uh, that was one of the failures of Gus Malzahn was that Go back and the watch. Was go back and predictable. Yeah, go back and watch the two years that Bo Nix played for Gus Malzahn. Bo Nix is coming off the field. Read his lips. They're say, he's saying they're yelling out our plays. They're yelling out our plays. They know what's coming. Stuff to that effect. Um, and that 
I don't care how fast your offense moves. If the defense knows where the ball is going, then it doesn't have a chance. So Robbie's going to have to throw the ball if he's going to get consistent playing time. If you just want to run the Wildcat with him, you just want it to be situational and say, hey, come in, run uh, a draw, run quarterback power, run a read option, do something like that. Uh, Run a buck sweep, why don't you? Uh, I think that'd be pretty fun. (laughs) But he's at some point going to have to put the ball in the air. And he's going to have to do it better than he did against San Jose State. He played pretty well against Mercer. But that San Jose State, the, the three passes he's through were all – I mean, he well, he was one of three for one yard and an interception. That's, he, th- he, threw, that. he threw a screen, he threw a really bad pick, and he threw an incomplete pass that wasn't anywhere near anyone, if I remember correctly. So he's going to have to throw the ball better if Auburn wants to use him effectively. But, you know, I don't know. Again, I've said it before, and I'll keep saying it. This coaching staff has watched these quarterbacks throw for 20 hours a day for a couple of months now. Or not 20 hours a day, 20 hours a week for a couple months now. They know whether or not these guys can throw the ball. You earn your playing time in practice. You earn the coach's trust in practice. And Can I play devil's advocate for a second? Go ahead. Do it. Because <clears throat> this is a funny subject, too. Yeah. And so this is a fun way to play devil's advocate. Didn't Jimbo Fisher watch... Haynes King, <laughs> bro, you f- all like, preseason. You, yes. you and I had this discussion yes. earlier. Let's continue this. Tell me, give me, give me roughly. Mac, Mac Brown's a defensive guy, isn't he? Uh, I don't know. You know, uh, even though I love Mac, he's been two since Carolina. I he was a coordinator in the '80s, so I really do not Fair remember enough. what his background is. Fair enough. So let's, for the sake of for the sake of argument, say he is controlling the offense the same way Jimbo Fisher is at Texas A&M. His paycheck is roughly. What five six million dollars a year? Likely, uh, his offense put up. You told me earlier forty nine points on App State. But yes, forty nine. Yep. Forty nine points on App State in Appalachian at visiting their stadium. Right. Um, team for anyone keeping up. Yes, Carolina scored more, but Brand's referring to the seven offensive touchdowns. Yes, seven offensive touchdowns against Appalachian State. Yep. Meanwhile, Jimbo Fisher, who is. Not the highest paid coach in college football, but he was at one point. Top is making three. over $10 yep. million dollars a year right now to call offense. He is an offensive guy, quarterback whisperer. His team put up 10 points against that same team in College Station. They, they, had, a, they, had, a, they had a kickoff return for a touchdown. That's right. Yep. But they scored one offensive touchdown and kicked a field goal. They had less than 100 yards, both passing and rushing. That is insanely hard to do. What was it, tell me? So they scored seven points they, offensively because they, they missed the field goal. Seven points offensively. If they made the field goal, we had a tie game. But yeah. <laughs> wow. so Jimbo, so so go ahead and you know, Haynes King, Max Johnson. It's Jimbo Fisher. He's not a liar. We don't <laughs> we don't trust Jimbo Fisher here. No. Well, I just simply wanted to use that because obviously coaches do make poor decisions. A lot of people. We're critical of Dan Mullen yeah, for starting the, yeah, um, Emory yeah. Jones over but, Anthony Richardson. But I would come back and say, well, Richardson got to play through about sixty passes last year and threw five picks in sixty yeah. passes, yeah. and so, he looked he looked bad against Kentucky last right. week. So you know, th- some of these diff- some of these guys surprised. And I'll tell you what, you know, I, I, even though this is uh, maybe said too often around here, just because of the 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 Cam stuff in twenty ten, but it's like 
some players are better game players than practice yeah, players. And I know are. that's not like a great excuse because you need to practice well too and, and coaches care yeah, about yeah. practice a lot. It's valuable. But some guys, when the lights turn on, they're just a little different for whatever they reason. They are. Here's the, here's the problem with that, though. If you keep relying on guys like that, you're going to find more right. guys that cannot perform than can. Sure, it's not a reliable guys, way. Yeah, guys like Cam Newton are the exceptions Extremely. rather than the rule. Extremely. And, you know, look, occasionally you will get a guy like Cam Newton. I don't think Robbie Ashford is Cam Newton. No, no, I don't think he's Cam Newton either. It's just the situation of, I mean, you could even say vice versa, you know, when the lights turn on, they play different. Jeremy Johnson. Jeremy Johnson. But you as much as as much as I will always have a soft spot for Jeremy because right. I feel like he had totally unfair expectations placed on him. He he was awesome in practice apparently. Yeah. But played very poorly in games. Uh, to clarify a couple things, Matt Brown's background is in offense. He was an offense coordinator in 1980 at Iowa State. Forty two years ago. Hurricanes. Cyclones. 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 And then uh, natural disasters. <laughs> and then uh, Penn State under James Franklin, uh, they had four straight seasons from year three to year six where they were top twenty teams in the final rankings. However, what I was referring to with his job security in the last three years, four and five in that twenty twenty season, mm. seven and six last year off to a two and zero start. So he's thirteen and eleven in his last twenty four games at Penn State. That's why I'm saying the seat not as cool yeah. as maybe it once was. Going to take our next timeout. Jeff from Columbus will join us on the Auburn Bank phone line after this timeout. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call. Final segment of our number two. Ryan LaVoy, Kim Barry, and Brent Daughtry breaking down all things Auburn and Penn State. At some point in hour number three, we will move on to other football topics. We we promise that. We will get to that at some point. But as always, the priority is your phone calls. 334-887-341 locally. Toll free, one 9 tiger 9 Next up on the Auburn Bank phone line. Jeff from Columbus. Jeff joins us. Jeff, how are you doing? Good afternoon, guys. Man, hey. I, I'm not going to take, take too long. I know you all been trying to get to that one segment, but... <clears throat> When Terry called in, I, I just wanted to chime in. Uh, I guess he said it about right because then it dawned on me. When, when have you seen an elite school? Well, let's just say who? Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame, Alabama go through a uniform change. Have you? Can you? I, I can't think any time yeah. I've seen them in an so I can. Uh, uh, Michigan did some weird things with their helmet and with yeah. they they had a all like maize jersey I want or all blue yep. jersey that they had a big M in the middle of and that was when they Denard did. Robinson was there about eight or nine years ago. Ohio State does some things with their helmets sometimes. Uh, obviously all Alabama right. does not change and and you're right about that. Uh, right. You know even. Yeah. Yeah, most schools do. Is I guess the point. Clemson of these last few years was the purple. purple. They started wearing yeah, purple. So yeah. there's only a handful, and I know you're talking about more classic schools. Clemson's just a recent. I can uh, think of team, a couple of alternates that Georgia's used Georgia, recently. Yep, with the black. Well, 
And that's what I was calling into. Because I can think of one team that has. You can't go – I mean, if you're trying to be classy, you, 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 you can't mess with black. Black is the classiest. Yeah, tell that to a Georgia Bulldog fan like myself. Okay, I could care less if Georgia ever wore, I mean, even a glove or a, a shoestring out of place <laughs> anymore. We uh-huh. played Boise in those in those Nike uniforms and got owned by Boise State. I mean, so like I say, and my, it's so weird. My daughter was sitting next to me. We went dove hunting, and she was sitting next to me, and she goes, "Daddy, you want to see what uh, Auburn's helmets are going to look like?" And I go, "Yeah." And she showed it to me, and I go, what's different? She says, I don't know. They said there's a helmet. And I go, you don't see what's different? And she goes, no. And I go, it's got an orange face mask. And she's been to 10 Auburn games in the past two years, and she does not realize that they changed the face mask. And I wonder how many people actually do pay attention to the face mask. Now, a bright orange face mask does stand out. Sure. But – how many people from Penn State are going to turn on the TV and say, what is different about Auburn or something? You know, And I can understand uh, 90,000 fans in the seats with uh, all orange jerseys on. You know, That's obvious. Right. You know, but something subtle, subtle like a face mask change or something is uh, – uh, and, and to be honest with you, I don't know if they – are they blue or are they white? And she asked me, well, what color are they? And I go, you know, I really don't know. <laughs> so, uh, what, so it's just something I don't pay attention to. But the orange, it does stand out. So, I, I, like I say, I know y'all are trying to get to another segment and stuff like that. But I, would, I just wanted sure. to chime in. Man, if you all, I mean, I just – you know, I understand it from Oregon. You know, you're up there, the you know, the Nike guy and stuff like that. But, uh, shoot, uh, um, man, if, if, if you want to change, I got some good blackout T-shirts, you know, and stuff like that. But, shoot, I can care less if my football team wore anything different. Sure. But uh, we're going to see tomorrow night, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Thank you all for taking my call. We'll talk to you all later. Sounds good, Jeff. We appreciate that phone call. That is Jeff from Columbus on our Auburn Bank phone line talking a little bit about the uniforms. I think that there is validity that we are so entrenched in the culture and into what Auburn's wearing. But if you're just a casual college football fan, you'd probably look at Auburn with an orange face mask and be like, Something feels different. I don't know what it is, yeah. though. It'd take you like two quarters. you like, is it the face mask? Yeah. Is it a stripe here? Because just very subtle things like a stripe change or even a face mask because it's a part, I guess it's a part of Auburn's color scheme. Yeah. And I guess that's where if I went big picture, that's why I myself don't really have a big dog in the fight. Like I'm fine with whatever they wear as long as it's school colors. Don't right. come out and polka yeah. dots. Absolutely. Perfect. Facts, facts. You know, but if it's orange, blue, or white, I'm in general going to be fine with it. Cool with it. You know, and I think that's the overarching thing here. I know a lot of people wanted to see the orange jerseys to see the change of pace. You're going to get orange face masks at the, at the bare minimum. But I, I think he's right in that not a lot of people, a lot of casual people are going to notice that. Again, everyone dips their toe in something for the most part, as we were talking about with Ohio State, with Michigan, even those classic programs, too, the most four or five classic mm-hmm. programs in college remember, football. Remember when Michigan State came out a couple of years ago with oh. the worst all-black oh. uniforms of all time? <laughs> So 
everyone dabbles in it to some degree, except for like Alabama. Yeah. Uh, you know, may I, I'm I'm struggling to think of like Oklahoma doing anything. But no, no, they I, do some Oklahoma's different Oklahoma's done, they do yeah, some Oklahoma's helmets done some helmet stuff. stuff. Yep. And so again, there's only probably a handful of schools that don't actually change anything ever. And yeah. Alabama just so happens to be one of them here, which obviously a lot of people follow around here, but. Uh, uniforms have obviously been a hotter topic than normal this week. We do know for one thing, all Auburn fans, wear orange. Wear your orange. Yeah. We'll see what happens with the players wearing varying degrees of orange. But everyone wear orange um, tomorrow tomorrow afternoon Excuse me, in Jern-Hare Stadium. That will do it for our number two on the other side of this break. we got more sports talk. We'll... we'll have a final prediction of Auburn and Penn State. We'll talk more college football, maybe fit a little bit of NFL in there, as well as you listen to the Friday edition of Sports Call. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Final hour of the show this week getting underway here on Tiger 95.9. You are listening to Sports Call, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm filling in for J.J. Jackson today alongside of me, Cam Berry and Brant Daughtry. We've been having a lot of fun talking to callers and talking about Auburn and Penn State. And let's not waste any time. We have a lot of football to talk about. We have more calls to get to. So let's get right back to it. 334-887-341 locally. Toll free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine and join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Next up, Daryl from Auburn. Daryl joins us. Daryl, how are you doing? Hey Ryan, what's going on? Doing well, man. Well, I just want to put my input into all this uh, Jersey uh, input. Uh, I can't see our suppliers, Under Armour, anybody being able to supply orange jerseys within a short notice. Yeah, that's the uh, most practical point I think someone's made here, Daryl. That's absolutely uh, what's probably going on. Yeah, and you can outfit the helmets with orange trim, and you might can get some uh, athletic shoes that are orange. I don't know, but uh, I'm perfectly happy. You you know me from previous conversations. Uh, I don't like internet, cable, or TV. I, I'm I like the audio part of it you yeah know, you're a radio was, guy oh yeah all, all the way um uh, i depend on my news from uh, npr and then auburn you know you guys and then i grew up listening to uh, auburn football on radio i had a 
work gas uh, job at a gas station, and the only time I got to watch it on TV was three games when it was nationally broadcast. So, and I I grew up listening to Jim Five, Rod Bramblett, and then Andy Bertram. Mm-hmm. From football, I mean basketball season. I like to listen to Sonny Smith. And uh, who was that center for Auburn? That was his name, Walker. Walker Kessler. Walker Kessler. And I'm not saying this to be stereotypical or whatever, but I didn't even know what race he was until about halfway through the season, and I saw his picture in the paper. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and to me, you know, it doesn't matter what race, what color jersey you're wearing you know as long as auburn's winning i don't care who's doing it Respect. you know and <laughs> and then uh and as far as the quarterback situation uh sounds like you know penn state's got a good secondary you know and I, I think they're gonna be able to pick some passes off you know but and i like the idea of two quarterback system but if one's not proficient at passing which is mr ashford you know I don't think this is a game to do it, really, you know. Yeah, that's that's a fair opinion there. I think we'll definitely see him run the football more, but I think there's real questions on if he'll throw the ball really at all. Well, I don't think this is a game to try that out because this is, as everybody has pointed out, this is a pivotal game. It can uh, make or break you as far as uh, the fans, just uh, morale with the team, you know. Uh, you know, if we have a big deficit, if it's a close loss or win, that would be great. But if it's just way outscored by Penn State, I think it's going to be devastating to morale and uh, the boosters and the trustees and athletic directors or the powers to be, you know, their opinion, you know. And right. I think uh, these guys are you know, playing their hearts out, you know, and, and I have a mixed emotions about the NIL. I, I, I'm glad that see some people succeed with it. <laughs> but by the same token, I think it's a, a distraction too. So I got you. Well, yeah, Daryl, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I think we all agree, especially on the, the how pivotal this is for the season. And um, obviously a lot's been made of this game. I think, you know, as we talked about with a previous caller, you can still have Auburn lose a close game and still feel some hope and optimism for the season. But you're right, if Auburn gets – beat up pretty good here, then it's going to be hard to take much positive at all from that. No, you know, and, you know, I work at a restaurant on the weekends. Fortunately, it hadn't affected me because I can get home by 2.30 or 3, and uh, I can still listen to the game. So, Yeah, but, absolutely. That's good news because the game will start right around 2.30 or so today or tomorrow. Well, I get off work at 2, and it takes me about 20 minutes on my bicycle to get to my apartment. And uh, I live in a – I'm not – blind or anything but i live in this audio world you know i listen to the game on the radio and then i'm close enough to campus i could hear the uh the crowds and stuff sure. and, and the band was practicing earlier today at turn here so. were they sounding good oh yeah you know anything that sounds good anything that's auburn related sounds good to me amen uh, uh, i live unfortunately next to a freight train and because the railway uh strike was averted i've had a train come by about every 40 minutes now (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's busy time yeah it it is what it is you know and that's uh i'll be listening to it tomorrow and uh like i said i just if it if i don't even know if you can get athletic shoes in that short order i know they got the face mask you know sure yeah our athletic 
suppliers are probably loving every minute of it every time we make a change because it's more money for them. So Right. Anyway, uh, that's my thoughts on the day, and uh, I hope you guys have a good weekend. Well, we appreciate the phone call, Darrell. We hope you have a great weekend as well, man. Okie dokie. Bye. That's uh, Daryl from Auburn joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Appreciate that call. And uh, just under an hour to go now on the show, so we, uh, we're we going to move briskly along. But I think Daryl made some, some good points there. We will bring back Auburn here in just a little bit to get predictions and final analysis in uh, real quickly. I want to spend just five minutes, a quick five minutes on it. Uh, Brand's laughing at me. Um, <laughs> five minutes on the National Football League. Um, yes, Cam. I'm gonna let you run with whatever you want to run with. I don't me? have a huge question. You just, if you want to talk last night's game, this weekend's Dude. games, I just you just go for it. I mean, I'm just, I just, I love the NFL. You know that. It's just last week the Falcons blew another lead. That's something that's always unfortunate. Um, they play grass is green, Rams, water yeah, is they, wet. Stop it. And they uh, they play the Rams in LA this week. That's probably not probably not going to be a very pretty game. Uh, but the Falcons sometimes surprise people, so you never know. Uh, last night, the Chiefs and the Chargers played a very, very good game. Chargers seemed to be in control for about three quarters. Then Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, and uh, the, char- the Chiefs ended up winning. Uh, there was a 99-yard return for a touchdown, um, uh, pick six, and that was probably the turning point of the game, honestly. I mean, that, that was, you know... The Chargers were driving. Probably if they score there a touchdown, um, that probably puts the game away. Uh, at least, you know, may, maybe. I forget, it was I tied at 17. It was tied at 17, yeah. so that puts them up a touchdown. So it probably doesn't put the game away. But um, it definitely, you know, helps the Chargers case a lot. Um, and Herbert got hurt, which is really unfortunate. And that was diagnosed as a rib cartilage fracture, which I have. No idea what that means because I'm not a doctor. I didn't and know you could. I didn't know you could do that either. Cartilage, cartilage. because it's. I don't. That's like it doesn't uh, make sense. What did I, he, I don't know. What did he say? Someone had a. It, what was uh, Quinn Ewers? His injury was weird because it was like he pulled a joint or something. Something weird. It was like he injured something in a right. way that that thing cannot be injured. And it's, it's just weird. Like, and like I, I, I told my my brother. Uh, who was over in town over the weekend. My brother's a surgeon, and I told him that, and he said, that doesn't make any sense. No. That thing can't do that. Uh, so he, I just, I don't know. I don't understand. I'm going to Google it because I'm curious. No, it keep is going. so, yeah, so weird. So the official is Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers, expected to be out four to six weeks with an SC sprain, which is a significant injury where the sternum meets the clavicle. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I don't I'm, not a, doctor, I'm I don't, not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. I was just saying the words. No I, those were the words. <laughs> Herbert played a great game, though. I mean, even despite having the injury, like you could see towards the end of the game where he was absolutely, I mean, just in worlds of pain, and he was just struggling to to even really move. Like there was at one point, there was a third and one. Uh, they're kind of they're kind of trailing out a little bit. Herbert has the run. He could run and get the first down easy, clear as day. He couldn't even make the run. He couldn't do it. He was in so much pain he had to throw the ball away. Next down, fourth and one, throws an absolute dot down the field. 
that puts that puts the uh, puts the Chargers in in range of a touchdown, and then he ends up throwing a touchdown. So they ended up having a three touchdown day, threw for three hundred and thirty four yards. Absolutely great game, uh, even with Keenan Allen not playing. I was uh, I was not watching the game last night because I don't have Amazon Prime, but Ooh. I was following that that moment on Twitter. Yeah, and everybody all at once was man that. that Justin Herbert's dead, man. I don't Dude. know if he's getting up from that. He's he's in so much Dude. pain right now. I don't know. I don't. He might be out for the season. That man. They're putting that, him back in. Like I was watching it happen that, in real time, and then he threw just a seed. That man has that. <laughs> and everyone's it's like, cr- man, uh, just, like, Justin Herbert's it legit. Was, it was like legit. Like literally, though. Like I was watching it. I was like, I don't know if he's gonna come back. Honestly, I don't. I don't know because he looks like he's in an absolute world of pain. And he could just barely move. Like all the hits that he was taking, even after that with Kansas City, I was just wincing for him. Um, and so, I mean, it just turned out to be a great classic battle between Mahomes and and Herbert, which it just seems like every time they play, that's the exact result. It just seems like they just the 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 game is always just so good, and it's just a matter of who's going to make the first mistake. I will say, however, Mahomes probably threw about six passes that should have been picked. Um, Definitely, there were some risky throws and a couple drops. Asante Samuel Jr. probably should have had two picks in that game um, and wound up with none. They called one an incomplete pass, and it was so close. I, I don't know. I, don't, I was surprised they overturned I, that. I was very surprised they overturned that as well. I, I don't understand. I felt like he had complete control of the ball. He brought it in. Sure, he was extended a little bit, but he, he had it. The ball wrapped in his hand. Like, I don't really understand, but it touched the ground. Apparently, I thought the ball could touch the ground. I guess now it can't, so they called an incomplete pass. Okay. And that would have been a big time. That would have been big time because that very next play, I think Kansas City um, drove down the field. Like, they, I think they threw a 50-yard bomb and yep. then um, scored on that on that same drive, like, two plays later. So that was a, a big turning point, honestly, uh, to call that incomplete pass, but an exciting weekend ahead for football. Another great, um, great slate of games. It seems like, um, and we have two Monday night football games, so that'll be that'll be fun to watch. The Tennessee uh, Tennessee playing against the Bills and uh, Minnesota going against Philadelphia, and we've all made our picks uh, like we do every week with with all the games. Um, but uh, what what Brian? What game are you most interested outside of obviously Tampa and the Saints? Um, so I think that the Monday night game is really good because I think the Vikings and Eagles are like the trendy outsider picks. If you're not taking like Tampa, LA or Green Bay to win the NFC, I think you're looking at maybe this, the winner of this game is a, is a great chance at it. Uh, obviously Philadelphia looks on track to win the East already because because of Dallas, um, uh, having Dak injured and just not looking good period in week one. Right. Um, Minnesota look great against Green Bay. We always do this with Green Bay every year, though, where they start kind of slow. But you know, one of these years, they're actually just going to be slow. They have yeah. missed the playoffs before. It's not impossible. Um, I think they'll be fine against Chicago, though. But, I mean, I think both Monday night games, because I think in the AFC South, you're looking at a situation where the Colts, all of a sudden you start to look at their schedule. You know they only drew with Houston week one. And you know that Tennessee lost a game they shouldn't have lost to New York. And I think you start to look at it and say, well – 
I'm confident one of those two teams will still win the division, probably Indy, but I'm starting to really decline the record. Like, we're really starting right. to look more around 500 winning that division yeah. as opposed to 11 or 12 winnings. That may be an overreaction, but you, again, they just look at their schedule. I think the AFC South is matched up with the AFC West, so they just got four yeah. tough Loss. games Loss. in the American <laughs> League um, or in the uh, uh, AFC. And then, again, like I said, with Minnesota and Philadelphia, if Minnesota wants a real chance to beat Green Bay – they can make a statement win at Philadelphia. Uh, that would do wonders. And a lot of people just hated Mike Zimmer. So yeah. uh, addition by subtraction, possibly with getting Kevin O'Connell in there. Their offense looked really good week very, one. Very, very good. And then Philly's defense did not look good against Detroit, but their offense looked good. And I know a lot of the questions were around Jalen Hurts, and those questions will continue all year long. But Looks like he um, can actually throw the ball. Yeah. And which – I mean, we knew that. <laughs> and and look, you know, Hurts playing a Minnesota defense only allowed seven to Green Bay last week. So, be a pretty good test of him. So, I'm just looking at those Monday night games, and I think they're going to be uh, pretty impactful. But, yeah, that Thursday night game between the Chargers and the Chiefs, hopefully Herbert uh, does not have too lingering of an issue here. Uh, looks like he'll have to play injury at least for a little while. The good news is about the Thursday night game, you get 10 days to recover until for the next sure. one. But That's major. Um, certainly don't want injuries deciding anything. Uh, there's flooded injury reports across the league. There's some teams already have 10, 11 guys on an injury report. And I just never AKA want – A.K.A. Tampa. <laughs> well, Tampa and New Orleans. But, yeah. that, but I was reading Tampa's beat writer, and Tampa and New Orleans are like tied for third. There's actually – I forgot which teams, but there's two teams really? more than Tampa and New Orleans. So um, – yeah, just turn the injuries off, man. Don't want them. Don't need them. No, they will happen. No, we can't turn them off. But uh, I always hate when injuries decide things and, and influence it. But it's part of it. And sometimes the healthiest team comes out on top at the end of the year. But uh, Brian, any quick thoughts, NFL? Give you a chance here as well before we take our, our next break. Uh, man, Justin football. Herbert's a dog. Football. Um, Justin Herbert's really, really good. Patrick Mahomes really, really good. might be the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Um, Falcons got to learn how to win football games at some point. It will not be this weekend. What? I, I'm, I've got a very weird crazy. gut feeling. Yes, because at the same time, I'm I'm a hundred percent. My with you. my head says Rams, but I did I, circle the Falcons I on our prediction. Hundred percent with you. I I picked the maybe Rams, I'm a homer. I don't know. Be, but but at the same time, if we win this game, I would not be surprised because I think I think it was last year we went to San Francisco and they were considered one of the better teams in the league. And we beat them, and and it's just one of those are, things. Are the it's are just, the 49ers, Speaking of San Francisco, are the 49ers going to start Jimmy Jesus? No, no. When does no, that happen? It's not going to happen. How how many times does Trey Lance have to look bad before they start Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, again? week well, one's easy to yeah. cover up because it was a monsoon. Yeah, yeah I was going to say a lot Fair. of people chalk that up to the weather, and he just wasn't able to show the complete skill set that he had, and it just seemed I don't know Chicago. They just were loving that weather out there. Just Ask me again after week two, though, because, again, I was not a big fan of the move to begin with. They play Seattle, who did a respectable got job against Gino. Russell Wilson. Uh, but, again, Seattle not protecting a good Smith. football team this year. Geno so. Smith looked like a real quarterback again. He did. What's funny is I watched a movie, and I'm going to go to break with this. Um, watched a movie uh, that day, came back for the second half. So everyone's talking about Geno. And they didn't score. <laughs> so, they didn't score in the second half. So, no. so it was the perfect, like, I didn't see it. Uh, even though his numbers in the first half were great. And no, obviously it, that it, scored somehow. It was legit. Denver it was legit. It was legit. Denver definitely should have won that game just because. They it, had it, it, two they fumbles Yeah, the if they didn't line, fumble yeah. in the goal line, they would have won that game easily. But because of their own mistakes and Nathaniel Hackett deciding for to take A bizarre forever, clock management. To, yeah, 
very, very, very That's bad. That's the margin of error in the National Football League. It is yeah. not much. You make not have much one all. turnover, one bad decision, and uh, that could be your season. Yeah, because <laughs> that much. could happen over and over again. Pretty much. Got to take our next break of the show. On the other side, we'll preview the week in the Southeastern Conference. Some other big matchups taking place outside of Auburn. We'll tell you about that and more next. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. Now back to more Sports Call with J.J. Jackson and the guys. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Friday afternoon, counting down towards kickoff of Auburn and Penn State. The unofficial time is around 21 hours now. Who's counting? Definitely me. me. I am 1,000% <laughs> counting. So uh, getting pretty exciting here. A couple more le- segments left of the show today. Let's go ahead and talk some SEC, though. Auburn, not the only show in town for the SEC this week. I don't know if we have deep thoughts on Georgia-South Carolina. It is a conference game for Georgia. Uh, <laughs> it is a game that Georgia technically lost in Athens in 2019 and one of the weirder games Georgia's lost under Kirby Smart. But Georgia favored by 25. I mean, do you have any – I'm searching. Is the oven warm for this one? Any hot dakes here? No. Georgia by a lot? Georgia by a lot? Uh, Georgia by <laughs> – Yes. Georgia by Georgia. a lot. Yep, yeah. Georgia, Georgia by a by lot. Searching for as much optimism as possible. Hey, man, <laughs> maybe now we'll finally get to see why Spencer Rattler was ever considered a Heisman Trophy favorite at any point <laughs> in the season. No, I already know why. It's called Oklahoma. Yes. <laughs> it's called yes. the quarterbacks he followed at Oklahoma. Yeah, true, Kyler Murray. true, true. So, uh, look, he's not bad. And to be fair to him, although he's not achieved those expectations, unless I, unless someone has something that they recall that I don't, I don't think he ever said, I'm I'm that dude. I'm no. going to be the next Heisman winner. I mean, yeah. he may have. I don't know. But he's a decent college quarterback Very that solid. was supposed to be an elite college quarterback. Yeah. Um, Kentucky and Youngstown, good for Kentucky. Top 10. Have fun with that one. Missouri and Abilene Christian. Missouri got pantsed by Kansas State last week. And I don't know if you saw the Boy, final. Boy, they sure did. 40-12 to 12 in that yeah. one. I think everyone had K-State, but not no, by four I, touchdowns. Yeah, I picked uh, Missouri for that one. Yeah. I probably shouldn't have. No, Cam, you didn't. You don't picked Kansas pick State. Missouri. You were right. <laughs> don't pick Missouri. I was trying to help you out. You didn't I have can't to help it, man. I'll, 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 I'll admit my shortcomings. <laughs> but I probably should have picked K-State. Uh, K-State <laughs> probably. Yeah, probably should have. K-State is a sneaky <laughs> team. In Big 12, they had a lot coming back. Chris Spielman starting to develop Kansas State, trying to get back to what it was with Bill Snyder. Yeah, I have a buddy that covers them, so I should have, you know, probably. Should, uh-huh. Asked him. Yeah. All right, so this first one I want to talk a little bit about. Number 20, Ole Miss goes to Atlanta to face Georgia Tech at Bobby Dodd Stadium. Ole Miss is heavily favored in this one. They're favored by 17. Mm -hmm. But I just want to bring this up because I kind of think this game is going to be sneaky close. 
Ole Miss has kind of not figured out what it wants to do at quarterback. They started Luke Altmyer in week two after Jackson Dart in week one. Altmyer was not great. He was six of 13. Then he gets injured. Jackson Dart comes in. I've not done the research to see if Lane Kiffin's announced Jackson Dart starter. I would I would do like that because Dart played very well in week two compared to his week one performance. But they just quite haven't quite figured out the quarterback situation. Um, the running back situation is good. They've got two guys, Judkins and uh, was it Zach Evans or Moss? I always forget which one transferred from which. I think it's Zach uh, Moss. Uh, but they have a pretty good running back situation uh, because of those two guys. Uh, actually, Quinjon Junkins lead the, leads yeah, them because of his yeah. mop-out time. But but um, their starting running back coming the year was Zach Evans. I, of course, guessed wrong. Ah. Zach Evans. Zach Moss is in the NFL with Buffalo Bills. I was, um, I was like, Moss? <laughs> he's out of Utah. Zach Evans um, transferred from TCU. So, I don't know. I'm just saying this game intrigues me because I think Ole Miss's defense is getting better. I think they shouldn't give up a plethora of points to Georgia Tech. But I can see this being uncomfortable in Ole Miss's first legitimate game of the year after playing Troy in Central Arkansas. Does anyone have any thoughts that this could be close, or am I overdoing it with thinking Ole no, Miss might I, struggle? No, here? I think I you're absolutely agree. justified. Um, Ole Miss's offense has not looked like – it's really clicked. I understand that they won two games pretty easily, but it hasn't been the the Lane Kiffin offenses that we've grown accustomed to seeing from him. Um, it's and about to be Jackson Dart season, though, so I'm telling you, he's about to, about to be. You are man. all in on I Jackson am, Dart. I am. I, I just don't so. see it. Like I mean, I think he can be good, but I just, I think I'm he... not. Anyway, uh, but yeah, Georgia Tech kind of hung tough with Clemson in that opening game. They did, that's what um, I was going to say. Yeah, they they played better than I think any of us expected them to, and you know it can't come about down the fourth, to is until about the fourth quarter. Right, Clemson's <laughs> talent Clemson, pulled away. Clemson said, "Foot on the neck." Yeah, and uh, you know I think Clemson Clemson's offense is still struggling. DJ Uyunglele is not the guy that we thought he could have been. Um, no, I think Clemson fans are starting to kind of switch over to uh, Cade Klubnik. They are. They are. A lot of people are. Um, and I have not watched enough of any of them to really have an opinion, but it is certainly a storyline to watch. Uh, so I do think Ole Miss wins this game, maybe by double digits, but I think it is closer than, I mean, what's the spread right now? 17. 17. 17. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah that sounds about Feels right. It was a little disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you guys know I love Kiffin. I love Ole Miss, what, yeah. they're, what they've got going on. They're re-energizing a situation, which after the penalties to Hugh Freeze, it could have gotten pretty dire there. They very, went very to Matt Luke for a couple of years, and it wasn't great. And Kiffin's immediately got them back going top 25. But I, I just, like I said, I, I don't think Ole Miss's offense is as, as in as great of a place as people might think it is. I think the good news for them is they don't lose the game because I do think their defense is continuing to get sneakily better. But I don't know. I see this being more of a 10-point game with some scarage I well agree. into the second yeah. half. Yeah. I, can, I can agree with that. About a 10-point game for sure. Um, Vandy, Northern Illinois is a nice one. Northern Illinois is favored by two and a half. Uh, what? Go Vandy. Oh. But is, is that Northern Illinois? I don't know. Alabama, Van- Vanderbilt doesn't move the needle for yeah, me. No. no. Yeah. <laughs> Alabama, ULM. <laughs> Uh, I just want UML, ULM to score first. They can still lose 56-7 to seven or 56-3. I just want to be able to say, what in the world in, of 2007 going is going on here? <laughs> That's all I want to do with that one. But uh, Alabama will smoke them. I'm going to skip over the good games because we've got two. Let's go on to Arkansas-Missouri State. Bobby Petrino returning to Arkansas. It's family uh, weekend. He will, uh, yeah, it is family weekend <laughs> in Arkansas, by the way. Um, well planned. Yeah. Very well planned. That, uh, I'm sure he will be welcome back. 
with open with, arms. Yeah, open with, arms and the kind hospitality that people are, are used to from those native to Fayetteville. <laughs> I Arkansas's got such a good thing going. I don't want them to do something that gets them like bad karma killing. I don't want them to be. I like, don't think there's bad karma in <laughs> in saying, "Hey, Bobby, you suck for what right, you did." Right, I know, I know, but they were talking about some doing some stuff. No, I uh, don't. Don't do anything don't illegal. Do anything, yeah, don't, um, do, don't do anything illegal. Tennessee's going to play the Fighting Austin Scots, the Akron Zips. Tennessee's <laughs> favored by forty-seven. Uh, Tennessee will <laughs> score well, a be lot. Three, yep, Tennessee's on their way. Florida and South Florida would have been more fun ten years ago. South Florida's been pretty dreadful as of late. Uh, but Florida favored by 24, trying to get Anthony Richardson going again after one great game and one not at all good game. And but the two of note here, so we got a few more minutes left for our final break. LSU hosting Mississippi State in Death Valley. That's a three-point line in favor of Mississippi State. And Texas A&M hosting number 13 Miami. Texas A&M. This is eight o'clock on Espen. Something to watch after the Auburn Penn State game. Texas A&M is a six-point favorite against Miami, so do with those two what you will, gentlemen. That's interesting to me because I think Miami has a chance to be decent. Yeah, for sure. I think Texas A&M. I mean, if, I, we just have it, to see the, how Max Johnson plays. Right? Yeah, At this the point, the narrative it's not behind be the narrative the the narrative behind Texas A&M is oh they're actually a really good team and they have these championship aspirations, but when they lose a game. They lose focus and because they know they're not going to make it to the championship, and that's where they tail off at the end of the season. Well, you've tailed off to begin your season at this point, and this is going to be yeah, that loss uh, is ugly. a heck of a coaching job from Jimbo Fisher if he can salvage anything. So you, you said A&M was favored by seven? Six. 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 I, 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 take, think- I take Miami straight up if I was betting on this game. And I'm not, so don't take my advice <laughs> as gospel, but I'm saying if I were gambling on this game, I'd take Miami. I'd be curious to know if that line moved at all when Max Johnson was named starter. That's, a, yeah. that's an interesting I, I picked Miami, and I was more tempted to pick A&M when Max started just because reading some of the numbers behind Haynes King and how he got pressured on Dreadful. four of 23 dropbacks and still produced nothing. He ran four times and fumbled twice. Oh, like He just did dreadful things against App State, and – App State's a cool story. They're getting game day. I think that's great yeah, this I think weekend. That's cool too. Um, but at the same time, Carolina, North Carolina put 63 total points on the board as Brant alluded to seven offensive touchdowns earlier. It's like App State's not going to lead the world in defense this year, even no. at, at the group of five level. Um, so I'm wondering if that line moved in favor of AM more, if it was maybe three and a half or four earlier yeah. today. Uh, what do you think, Cam? Should Is this line good to you? Do you, do you just expect Miami to fight out win this game yeah I think I agree with Brant I think I would take Miami straight up if I was a betting man and I'm not all either um I I just I just don't know what to expect I mean I I don't think that Max Johnson's gonna be a horrible quarterback obviously they I don't think they can do any worse than what they did with Haynes King um you just kind of have to see but I I still think that I mean Miami's 2-0 13th ranked team in the country i don't really i don't know any of their schedules so i couldn't tell you their wins here's um, you were talking about lines a minute yeah. ago something interesting the movement for a&m in miami has actually gone in favor of miami when the line started out it was at six and a half really and it wow. is now That's a&m weird. by six i don't know about that according that to john ewing at uh citing bet mgm interesting That's their line i i still think miami wins um, I, I think it'll be close. I honestly 
if Texas A&M were to win, I think it would be like a three-point win. I think it'd be close, like yeah. really, really close. Um, other than that, probably. Do we not. like that they're because this is something that they started to do a few times last year, and I'm unsure if they're going to do this much this year. It just might be able to take advantage of Texas A&M being a least central time zone and and being closer to out west. Uh, 8 p.m. kickoff for an SEC game. Yeah, it's going to be late. I love it as a fan. Yeah. I don't know if local time that's a great <laughs> idea. It's going to be uh, late. But uh, that's, again, when I saw. And that's 8 central, isn't it? Yeah, 8 central. Yeah. When I saw Ooh. Mississippi State in Arizona with like a 10 o'clock start out west the other weekend. <sighs> and then they, miss, speaking of Mississippi State the week before, they had Memphis and that got rained on for four right. hours. And so they ended up finishing near midnight. I was like. Yes, give me SEC at midnight. The Pac-12 is fine, <laughs> but give Love me the, the conference we cover at yeah, midnight. Yeah, yeah sure. 11 to 12, why not? Those players um, might hate it. And then last thing before we go to break again, and one more time, LSU-Mississippi State. What do you guys think about this one? I have no idea Same. what the hell what is going to happen in that football know. contest. I either. Uh, I, what's the line? Do you you have by three on the road. You have the, the road. voodoo of Death Valley. You have the unknown of Brian Kelly. You have the weirdness of uh, of the pirate Mike Leach. <laughs> yeah, right? It's so weird. There's, what there's a, a weird football game that Auburn's not involved in. There's a lot going on. This one's on. at 5 o'clock, so this is okay, absolutely okay. an SEC ESPN doubleheader, 5 yeah. and 8 o'clock clock uh, you might by the way you might see a schedule kind of like this when the league goes fully to disney here in a couple of years you might you might see and this. i'll be fine with yeah, it. yeah i'm just pointing out that, yeah cool with that so um, yeah we'll see uh i i don't even know who to take like, dramatic no things idea. will happen that will madden yeah one something of the fan base. something's going to happen where you go just what in the world was that and i so, can't wait that game's gonna be right. awesome sounds about right i'm looking forward to that one Pretty good stuff in the league. Not every single team, but look, you got enough throughout the day. You got one at pretty much every time slot. Make it through. To uh, absolutely make it th- make it through. So that will uh, do it for SEC Talk. We have one last timeout of the show. When we come back, we will give final predictions for Auburn and Penn State, as well as the final nightly TV guide of the week. The Friday edition of Sports Call concludes after this. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Final segment of the show for the day and for the week here on Tiger 95.9. This is the Friday edition of Sports Call. My name is Ryan LaVoy with Cam Berry and Brent Daughtry. We've had a lot of fun today. We've had a lot of callers, a lot of people getting their word in on the Auburn-Penn State game. So with just a few minutes left in the program, you guys are going to take the final word here, final predictions for Auburn and Penn State. You can give a score. You can just give a winner. You can say the most important thing to look out for. And everything in between, but what do you guys have happening tomorrow? Twenty-one seventeen Auburn in a dogfight. Okay. Yeah, Jordan that, Hair Jordan Hair Magic plays a part. That's yeah, the fan base is gonna have to do its part. I go back and forth on this game. I've I've said I 
yesterday I said I felt pretty good about Auburn. Today I feel like Penn State's going to win. That's my pick at the moment. Since we're making those, I, I'm picking Penn State right now. Boo. Uh, well, yeah, look, I hate myself, but I <laughs> I I'm a homer. I'm a homer. But you're very you're very. But objective. I I do my best to be objective. But I, I just I don't know if if Auburn's quarterbacks play well. Whoever they are, Auburn's quarterbacks. I yeah, can't believe we say that. Yeah, like multiple quarterbacks, and again, we'll see how much of a multiple quarterback system it is. Then I think Auburn can come out on top. But man, I, I there, that's a lot. There's a lot of what ifs in this game. There's a lot of interesting matchups that just. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think it's going to be a dogfight, and I I can't wait to be a part of it. I hope I'm wrong, but right now I'm picking Penn State. Yeah, no, I, I go back to what I said at the beginning of the year, and uh, I remember Steve, who came by and saw us today, uh, got on my case for this. But I did have a 7-5 and five Auburn season, and I had this as the first loss of the season. I had Auburn going 4-1 and one in their first five, and I said Penn State 27, Auburn 23 uh, in that prediction. And, you know, even though you could make an argument, because I, in those predictions I said Auburn would flatten the first two – Game, teams that they played and obviously they really didn't do that they beat mercer good but they didn't flatten them and then obviously seems they say they had trouble with um my argument always was with the first two games really wouldn't have a whole lot to do with this third game that this third game was just far different those first two games were quizzes this game is a test everyone knows quizzes count five percent of your grade ten percent of your grade the test count is sixty percent of your grade True. they're very important um and i just don't think that Auburn is going to meet every moment. I think they're going to have big plays in this game. I think they're going to have opportunity to capitalize in situations. And I just think it's one mistake here. It's a turnover there or a penalty that kills a play here. And look, 27-23 can swing the other way easily. And, you know, in that 23, obviously I've got probably more actual raw scores because I've got Auburn technically scoring five times. And I'm saying, hey, they're going to settle for field goals three times. You turn – Two of those in the touchdowns, you win. You turn yeah. one of those into a touchdown, you win. Uh, then you at least have, you know, you're tied or overtime or something. So I think it will be a very close game. I think it'll be a game which the loser will feel disappointed because it will know it will have had opportunities to win the game. I'm not discounting that Auburn can't win this game. Of course they can. Uh, this crowd always makes such a huge difference. We've seen that time and time again in games like the Iron Bowl. And while I don't think this crowd will quite be an Iron Bowl level, I think it will be a really high level. Be, Players yeah, are asking close. for it. It's going to be big time. It's going to be 87 inside the stadium. And uh, I think it will be very rowdy. But uh, I just I go back to Clifford being experienced. I go back to Auburn's quarterback just being such a question mark. I will say if Auburn can establish the run game constantly – then they will take a lot of pressure off their quarterbacks. They will yeah. only need a couple of plays out of their quarterbacks if they can run the ball consistently. But, again, going with a close loss for the Tigers on Saturday. Just a minute or two left in our program now, so we got to get you this. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. A quick Nightly TV Guide brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Some drag racing tonight on FS1, 6 o'clock, the NHRA drag racing. 620, Bally Sports South East. We did not talk about this today, but the Atlanta Braves. Welcome back, Ozzy. Albies to the Welcome lineup. Welcome back, Ozzy. So back to Truist Park, a big series with the Phillies. Braves start play one behind the Metropolitans. College football is tonight. Florida State and Louisville, 6 
6.30 on ESPN. It's a nice ACC matchup. Both those teams trying to get going. 6.30, the NASCAR Xfinity Series on USA. And then give you one movie pick, 7 o'clock on BBC America. That's a great channel. Edge of Tomorrow. I believe that one stars Tom Cruise. I think you're right. That is the Nightly TV Guide brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Fun show today, and we look for fun times this weekend, another weekend of football. Uh, Gentlemen, hope you each have a great Saturday, great weekend, and hope uh, things go well inside the stadium on Saturday. Wear orange. Wear Wear orange, indeed. Wear a lot of orange. War Eagle. Um, We, of course, appreciate all those who tuned in and called in today. You can catch us next week for some more sports call. But for now, for Brant Daughtry and Cam Berry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. We hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy Auburn and Penn State inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium. Stay tuned. High school football is coming up next, and we'll talk to you on Monday.